This is the Carl Miller Show, where we talk about all things real estate, financial investments, and getting into a home you love. With over 15 years of experience, this is your host, Carl Miller. In today's show, meet Zena King, realtor, and breaking news out of a Missouri court case action, a court class action lawsuit tongue-tied this morning regarding a $5.5 billion ruling, and meet Jordan Parker of the Claire Parker Foundation. Hey, you're listening to The Carl Miller Show. I'm your host, the principal broker of Carl Miller Realty. We're located at 7700 Timberlake Road in Lynchburg. We are your caring, competent, trusted advisors for real estate sales and rentals. And if you're a homeowner or future homeowner, this show is for you. Special thanks to our sponsor this month, Michael Newhall with Goosehead Insurance for personal insurance that truly fits your needs at rates that are the best fit for your wallet. Goosehead Insurance, the Newhall agency right here in Lynchburg, can help. The team at Goosehead Insurance works for you with access to 48 different insurance carriers in Virginia. They shop the market for you to provide dozens of quotes across the insurance markets, saving you both time and money and giving you the confidence that your policies are truly the best fit for you. For your home, auto, umbrella, and more, Goosehead Insurance has you covered. Visit them at gooseheadinlynchburg.com to learn more or to request your free quotes. It's time for a new featured listing from Carl Miller Realty. We have two new construction listings this week to feature. The first is located at 9900 Stonewall Road. It's a 1,368-square-foot, three-bedroom, two-bathroom, one-level home on 2.18 acres. It's just 25 minutes from the Liberty University slash Wards Road corridor and features eight-foot ceilings, LVP floors throughout the home, including the bedrooms. There's a large side entry room that includes a spacious laundry area and all appliances. It's just a great value at $279.9. Buy now and pick your countertop color, and this Appomattox home will be finished early December. Also almost completed on 6.45 acres in Campbell County is a 1,655-square-foot, one-level home. This property is complete with a two-car garage, a full unfinished walkout basement. This beautiful home includes a covered front porch, a back patio overlooking the countryside, and the lot borders a creek in the back. It's priced at just $419,000, and it also will be completed by December 10th. Don't miss out on either of these fine homes. Visit carlmillerrealty.com today. Well, thanks for listening. This show does exist to provide value and showcase facts and tips for the homeowners and future homeowners of South Central Virginia. In studio today is Zena King. Zena has been affiliated with our firm for almost five years now. She's an amazing agent who's played the role of an admin assistant, a transaction coordinator, a seller coordinator, and she's been a licensed realtor with our team since January of 2019. She's an incredible professional who cares a lot about her clients, and she's a great negotiator. Uh, She's quick to offer compassion and love, yet a fierce competitor in the marketplace. She makes those around her better, including her amazing boys and her husband. I'm honored to call her a friend, and I'm super excited she's part of our Carl Miller Realty office. Welcome to the show today, Zena. Thank you, Carl. I'm happy to be here. Thank you for having me. It's it's always good to have you on, Zena. Um, <laughs> we've you. been together for a while. I was trying to think when you came on board. I, I think you got officially licensed in 2019, but you were, I can't remember. Do you remember the month and year you came on officially? Yeah. Well, I actually got licensed in 2018, 2018. and I came on board with your team in 2019 in January. That's Yeah, because you transferred in from another, you were in the property management space for a while. I was. Learned a lot about clients and yes. <laughs> working with tenants and, 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 and homeowners and then wanted to work in the sales side a little bit more. Yeah. 
Yeah, I uh, learned that I definitely prefer the buying and selling side. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Well, those in the property management fields, they are strong people. <laughs> they are, and you know, and we and we launched a property management management division just recently, and uh, Cameron Gallimore is is running that side of the business, and he seems to have the fortitude to do that. He's mm-hmm. really, really because it is it is a demanding business. You're you're taking care of tenants, but you're also taking care of property owners. Cameron does a great job for us, but I'm sure you, I'm sure you learned a lot just in working in that business on the management side before you got into the sales side. So we'll dive into that a little bit more. We had a couple of fun events at our office this last week. In fact, last Friday we we hosted a we've been talking about this for a long time the trunk or treat uh, on October 27th, and that was a lot of fun. We had a lot of families come out. We had a lot of kids dress up. Parents got to test out the costumes and. You were there. I was. It was a lot of fun to see all the different costumes. They were really, really cute. I love seeing the kids dressed up. So it was a fun event. It was. And we had a couple of great, uh, great uh, little side. Um, we, had, we had a bouncy house and then this little, I don't even know what you call it, this little air chamber, essentially, uh, air pocket chamber where kids could go in and try to catch balloons, essentially. That was a big hit. It was. Your kids seemed to enjoy that. Yeah. Lots of fun. <laughs> Lots of fun. Well, we have an ongoing coat drive happening at our office to spread the warmth. For new or gently used coats of all sizes, they are needed. Uh, we're kind of partnering up with Foster Fuels on this, and our office is a drop-off location. So as the chilly wear is hit, weather is hit, it's it's frost season. Uh, if you've got a coat in your closet you just don't wear anymore, maybe it's a brand new one that you maybe wore once, that's a perfect uh, donation, and we'd love to uh, make sure that gets into good hands, good use uh, for, for people in need this winter. So stop by our office anytime. We have a box right inside our front door. The Humankind Turkey Trot is just a few weeks away. It's hard to believe you know, Thanksgiving is just a few weeks away, but it is. I'm very excited. I love Thanksgiving. Love all the food. Bring it on. <laughs> so the Turkey Trot is a 5K that happens. It's a run, walk, push your stroller. I'm not sure if pets are allowed. I think we had this talk last week. I don't remember what the outcome was. but is that We some... should find out for next week. <laughs> we, can, we can do that. Do, have you ever done a Turkey Trot? I haven't. It's something I've been interested in, but I haven't done it yet. Maybe this will be the year to do it. Um, I, I announced it to my kids this week, and I say my kids, we, we're hosting a few uh, exchange students as well, and they're so excited about mm-hmm. getting out on Thanksgiving morning and doing the uh, turkey trot. So we'll be there. The Carl Miller family will be there. And finally, the uh, Claire Parker Foundation, it's hosting its Deck the Heels 5K Saturday, December 9th at 5 p.m. on Main Street in Alta Vista. And in the second half of today's show, we'll meet Jordan Parker, who's the founder of the Claire Parker Foundation. And we'll talk about why this event can make all the difference to a family whose child is suffering from cancer. You can find us on social media, Carl Miller Realty. Our website is carlmillerrealty.com. Over the next few weeks, we'll get to know some of the amazing agents and staff in our office. And Zena King, of course, is with me today. You, We've been talking a little bit about real estate, but um, why, of all the places you could be, are you at and do you stay at Carl Miller Realty, Zena? Oh, there are a lot of reasons, um, but some of them would just be uh, the amazing atmosphere. Uh, we are a family at Carl Miller Realty, mm. and there's just nothing like it. Um, mm-hmm. I haven't experienced a job with this kind of community and relationship within the office space. Yeah. Um, so that's a large reason to stay at Carl Miller Realty itself. But as far as being in the real estate space, I think it's a, a great field to be in. Um so many opportunities to meet amazing people throughout our community. Uh, the clients are wonderful, and many of those clients I call friends now. So it's it's a field I 
very much enjoy. You're, you're a Lynchburg local, pretty much, right? And you graduated, was it Brookville High School? No, JF, JF actually. Oh, boy, I'm sorry to offend you. Yes, how dare you? <laughs> yeah, JF, JF graduate. And uh, so what, what's your favorite part about Lynchburg? You know, because again, you got options in life. You don't have to stay in Lynchburg, but why do you stay here? And what do you love about Lynchburg? All right, well, part of it, my family is in Lynchburg, uh, that's so that's a big draw. Yes. <laughs> uh, but it's a great place to raise a family, as my husband and I are doing now. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a place to really get roots and, you know, kind of create the environment that you want for your family. Um, and you almost can't go somewhere without seeing somebody that you know. And I yeah, like that. Yeah. Um, so it's it's just a wonderful area. I like that in our area we get to experience all of the seasons. And I don't know, there's just a lot of great things about Lynchburg. Yeah, th- th- that's a fact. Um, what's changed in the last five years since you've been getting in the market and then you started selling four years ago? the way you execute business or maybe just things that you've seen that has changed in the marketplace in the last four or five years? What are some of the things that stand out to you? Sure. The marketplace itself has changed drastically um, since 2019. Uh, We went from kind of what seemed like a stable market at the time to just utter chaos in Mm. 2020 and 2021. Um, And now things are kind of leveling back out and becoming more of a difficult market for buyers and sellers in in their own respective ways. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think at the beginning, you know, the way I executed business is you just don't know what you don't know until you're in it. And that first year is so much education. Mm -hmm. Um, You may not produce a whole lot, but you learn a ton. Um, So I think that first year or two was a lot of learning and education, and it will continue to be forever. Um, But you know, in the more recent years, it's been a lot of fun kind of honing in my strengths and figuring out the best ways to serve my clients beyond just the basics and learning how to meet their needs where they're at um, and get them where they want to go. Yeah, for sure. And yeah, you're right about education. I mean, I, I and I say this in the office all the time. I learn something new every week in this business. Every week, there's something new that I learn. And, and the key is to learn it and then keep applying it and just get better and more skilled all the time. Because the agents who aren't learning, they're going to it's, it's a challenging time right now. It's it's really puts you at a disadvantage unless mm-hmm. you stay on top of everything you can with the uh, with with what's going on currently, and then ways to negotiate skill sets and education is a big part of being in the real estate business for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, what do you love most about the industry or about your role as working for buyers and sellers? Oh, <laughs> um, it's definitely meeting the clients. Yeah. Um, as I had said before, a lot of the clients that I have now, I now call them friends. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I do still see them. I love the client events that we do because I get an opportunity to see them again. Yeah. And um, I, I don't want it to be where we just work through a transaction and then I never talk to them again mm-hmm. um, because mm-hmm. that's more transactional business. And yep. I prefer to have relational business. Yep. And um I just am so appreciative and love my clients. I love seeing their families grow. Um, and that's probably the biggest part about the real estate industry that I love. Yeah. Secondary is the flexibility of it oh, because yeah, sure, sure. I'm growing my own family and yeah. being able to be with my boys and still work in a professional field. It's just worked out wonderfully. That's fantastic. Yeah, Thank you for sharing, Zena. And we're just really, really grateful to have you on board. And I appreciate you coming on board. As, we, as the show kind of transitions a little bit, I'll bring on agents on this show over the next course of the next eight weeks and 
We'll see if we get a permanent host uh, co-host uh, to fill the shoes of Yancey, my former co-host, uh, as we move forward here. And Yancey's doing very well. She's still in Lynchburg, by the way, listeners. I know you had a relationship with Yancey. We, we get all of the uh, the social media posts and texts and everything. She's still here. She's still selling real estate. It's just that her role's changed a little bit within our company, and she's no longer working on staff. But I wanted to touch on something that breaking news out of Missouri this week. There was a class action lawsuit. It's been dragging on since 2019. And uh, this week, an eight-person jury found in favor of 500,000 homeowners seeking reimbursements for property sales that occurred between 2015 and 2022 for commissions paid to their brokers. The suit proved by a preponderance of the evidence that a conspiracy existed to follow and enforce, that's in quotes, uh, uh, NAR, which is the National Association of Realtors Policy, known as the Cooperative Compensation Rule. The case specifically centered on whether there was a conspiracy in the suits for subject multiple listing services in Missouri. And the jury did find that the conspiracy, using that word in quotes too, I guess, had the purpose uh, or effect of raising, inflating, or stabilizing broker commission rates paid by home sellers. And the plaintiffs argued that the plaintiffs paid more than they would have to their brokers had not the rule of cooperative compensation been followed when seller brokers posted their property to the local MLS. Zeno, uh, this is kind of big news in the real estate industry because this lawsuit's been dragging on for four years. Uh, a lot of the people in the industry have been following this. And, mm-hmm. and quite frankly, I was shocked that they ruled in favor of the plaintiffs, which there's going to be some attorneys making a lot of money on this. Yeah. Um, $1.8 billion was found in damages, and it, and it triples. So there's $5.5 billion uh, that the jury says that these real estate brokers and the National Association of Realtors owes as damages to previous sellers from 2015 to, to, to 2015 to 2022, essentially. I'm quite surprised by that as well. I, I did not think that it was going to rule in that way. So just, I mean, just to kind of pull back the curtain a little bit, the cooperative compensation rule, which is also known as the participation rule, it does require listing brokers, or it did until just recently, across different MLSs all over the U.S., it requires listing brokers to make an offer of compensation to buyer's agents in order to submit a listing to a realtor-affiliated MLS. And again, MLS, I hate to throw letters around, but the multiple listing service. It's basically the platform that feeds to all the consumer sites that you see, like Zillow and Realtor.com and Trulia. So if you've been on Homes.com and you see a listing, it's it's, you see that listing because the multiple listing service that's local to that market has fed it to the national sites. Well, in order to put a listing in there up until this year, listing brokers offered compensation to buyer's brokers. And if you go back 100 years ago, there was no such, or even 50 years ago, there, there was no such thing as buyer's agency or buyer's brokerage. Uh, essentially, all real estate agents worked for the seller. And as a result, sometimes uh, a buyer would, would be contacting their real estate agent and say, hey, I want to buy, let's pretend it's 1950, I want to buy the house that's located at you know 123 Elm Street. And that agent would go out and look at that house, and, and basically the listing broker would pay that agent to show the house and sell the house, but the buyer was not represented. Buyer's representation became a law somewhere in the late 80s, I believe. I'm going from memory a little bit here. And uh, and anyway, buyer's agents sometimes were not being compensated. So the National Association of Realtors made a law, made a ruling, I should say, the cooperative compensation rule that basically uh, forced listing agents to pay buyer's brokers if a buyer was shown a property and, and, and it was and it was 
and, and it was given to, uh, it consummated in a sale, the listing broker would then pay the buyer's broker for their services. So it was a really good thing, and buyer's agency became a real thing. When that buyer's agency rule happened, what, the, what that did is it allowed buyers to be represented, just like sellers were represented. It allowed, it allowed for people to make, have advice. Basically, sellers are getting advice, so now it allowed the buyer's agency to get advice. And the buyers weren't paying for it. The buyers essentially were getting this service that was compensated from the listing broker. And listing brokers didn't change their compensation. You got to understand, listing brokers up to that point were charging, and I, I'm not going to give a specific number, but typically anywhere it's always negotiable. You know, commissions are always negotiable, but but the anywhere from five to up to twelve percent was sort of the rate that sellers were being charged back then, and the listing broker would receive all of that percentage at the time the property closed. So listing brokers, understandably, were mad because they didn't want to give up half of that profit to buyer's agents. But that became the rule. If you want to put your listing in the MLS, you must offer compensation. So fast forward to 2023, this ruling now basically states that sellers were overcharged, despite the fact that sellers agreed to pay their listing broker a fee, whatever they negotiated, and whether it was name a percentage or name a flat fee, whatever it was, the seller contractually agreed to pay that listing broker that fee. My frustration with this ruling is that whatever the listing agent chooses to do with that fee is kind of their business. Mm-hmm. But here we are with a huge class action lawsuit. And as soon as the the uh, court case uh, ruled in favor of the plaintiffs, immediately uh, in another state, there was three more lawsuits filed against other brokerages. So I think this is going to spread all over. And who knows where this will end up? Obviously, the National Association of Realtors is appealing this uh, a couple of statements uh, that came out, one from the National Association of Realtors, uh, NAR spokesman Mantle Williams says, NAR rules prioritize consumers, support market-driven pricing, and promotes business competition. This matter is not close to being final, as we will appeal the jury's verdict. In the interim, we will ask the court to reduce the damages awarded by the jury. And a home service brokerage spokesperson stated immediately following the ruling, to Inman News that today's decision means that buyers will face even more obstacles in an already challenging real estate market and sellers will have a harder time realizing the value of their homes. It could force home buyers to forego professional help during what is likely the most complex and consequential financial transactions they make in their lifetime. And I think that the if this ruling is upheld, probably the party that will hurt the most is the first-time home buyers. Absolutely. And I think that that last quote you shared is a a huge um, warning flag. (laughs) Because I think that if buyers are going to start pursuing homes without an agent, it puts them in a really tough position. Mm -hmm. Um, Agents are in this every day. We understand the contracts. We understand the process. Um, And first-time homebuyers, they have a lot of financial burden already just to get into the home and then to have to add on these potential additional um, costs would take a lot of buyers out of the market. And then for others, it would make them just want to do it on their own. And right. I think that that kind of puts them in a dangerous position when we already have it set up where they can, they need. Right. And even just little things like, okay, what's the tax difference in buying in this area versus that area, maybe just mm-hmm. two blocks away? What's the, what's the process like getting a home inspection? What rights do I have after I get the home inspection report? You know, okay. Oh, should I get 
you know, we advise our clients if it's a buyer and it's on a septic, get that septic system inspected. Without knowledge that we have working in the business day to day, a buyer really is flying blind and could face thousands of dollars of surprise, bad surprises right. after the fact that buyer's agents do a good job of protecting consumers with. Right. It might save them money on the front end, but in the long run, surprises could come up that would cost them more. So I think in summary, up until this point, the services that real estate agents provided for buyers has been compensated. Buyers, I want to be clear, buyer's agents do not work for free. They do get paid. But up until this point, their fees have been paid for by the listing broker. Mm -hmm. So it'll be interesting to kind of follow this, see how the appeals courts go. And is the industry going to change forever? Maybe. I don't know. Or will it stay the same and we're still going to be doing buyer's compensation? I sure hope so Mm -hmm. uh, over the next five years. It really is in the best interest of the consumer. And uh, it'll be an interesting case to follow. We'll we'll keep you informed. And I, I don't mean to confuse, what I, but but I did want to bring this up. I think, listeners, it's important just kind of know what's happening out in Missouri. Uh, I certainly am a big fan of buyer's agency and buyer's agency compensation. Uh, but uh, we'll be following this case and keep you, the listener, informed as this unfolds. Carl's Clips. Carl's Real Estate Tip of the Week. Regardless of whether the Missouri lawsuit against five major real estate firms and the National Association of Realtors stands or is appealed in real life today, consumers should ask when listing their house what the total fees are at closing they are obligated for. Ask your agent whether buying or selling for a total expense sheet so you can make an informed and confident decision. And when we come back, we're going to meet Jordan Parker with the Claire Parker Foundation and learn about one of the coolest and most memorial 5K runs in our region. Welcome back to the Carl Miller Show. I'm Carl, your host, principal broker at Carl Miller Realty, and in the studio with me is Zena King. She's a realtor and our listing coordinator, contractor at our firm. This show is for homeowners and future homeowners of Central Virginia. We strive to empower you to make informed and confident housing decisions. And as part of helping homeowners, we are vested in our community and the events going on in the community. Yeah, we showcase great organizations frequently, and this month we are featuring the Claire Parker Foundation. Joining us on the phone is founder Jordan Parker. Welcome, Jordan. Hey, how are you guys doing today? Hey, we're doing great. Hey, Jordan, for the listener that's hearing about the Claire Parker Foundation for the first time, tell us who you are and introduce us to Claire. Not a problem. I'm Jordan Parker. I'm the uh, president and uh, co-founder of Claire Parker Foundation. We've been in existence for right around nine years and uh, we are a pediatric cancer foundation that serves uh, nine hospitals in North Carolina and Virginia and in our local community. And we were founded um, in memory of our daughter, Claire, who passed away from um, infant leukemia right before she turned two. Mm, wow. So obviously you learned a lot through that experience. And, and what stood out to you and what kind of compelled you to, uh, to start the Claire Parker Foundation? We saw that there was a lot of um, efforts going towards research. And um, we didn't see a lot of quality of life supports in place for um, parents during their time during the hospital. So we strategically worked with our hospitals um, to to get great programs in there for families as they're walking through the battle of uh, cancer um, from the very first day that they get diagnosed all the way until either they, they end treatment or the passing of a child. Wow. So what does that look like, boots on the ground, in the ways that you serve the families? So we work with every hospital's uh, social workers and uh, child life specialists. They're kind of a liaison for our foundation, and it starts off with our initial uh, care box uh, package. And then from there, we are able to obtain information about the families and work with those families strategically throughout their entire cancer journey. And then we have numerous other quality of life programs that the families get to um, participate in throughout their uh, cancer journey. 
I'm curious, uh, uh, how do you connect with the families going through this? Like, you know, when you're going through that, you're overwhelmed. How, how does Claire Parker Foundation connect with the families going through that overwhelmed? I mean, they're probably not finding you. Do you how, does, how does the connection get made between you and the family that's going through this trauma? Sure. So um, every one of our hospitals has our uh, care box on site. Oh. And inside that care box has a pre-addressed envelope that comes back to our foundation. And it has a rack card that has all the information that you would need to provide about your child. Mm-hmm. And once you get that initial care box from us, you can just fill out that card. They give it back to their child life specialist or social worker. And then it comes back to us and it exists in our database. So then we can walk through a walk with the family uh, moving forward. Additionally, you know, we obtain new information throughout if a child relapses, if a child goes on hospice, so we can reconnect with families during those most uh, crucial times. Wow. I bet you've got some incredible stories you could share about families you've helped or that are helping even today. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we, we're, we're very privileged to work with, you know, some families, you know, on a very deep level and then other families, it's just a one touch. It just depends on, you know, I have a case by case situation, but, you know, annually we work with probably about 300 to 500 new families, wow. um, uh, you know, each year. Wow. So you, you probably have uh, quite a need then just sometimes for even for some manual labor. If somebody who's hearing about Claire Parker Foundation for the first time, they wants to just get involved and say, hey, I'd, that speaks to me. I'd love to help out. How, how can they get involved? Yeah, we've got all kinds of things. You know, we have packing events at our foundation. Um, we, we have a, a gigantic pillowcase project to where um, every one of our kids gets two pillowcases in their boxes. We have people from all over the nation that send those into us for us to quality control. And then we have, you know, numerous fundraisers as well that help, you know, support all the different programs that we have in our uh, hospitals, uh, such as our, you know, Deck the Heels 5K that's coming up and also our Claire House project that we do every year. Let's talk about the Deck the Heels. That's a great event coming up in about five weeks or so. It's the Deck the Heels 5K. It's in Alta Vista. And uh, our firm is helping be a sponsor again this year. And I got to say, I ran that race last year and it's one of the coolest 5Ks around. I mean, you, you just... Man, it's on Main Street. It's at dusk. You cross over the Stanton River into into Pennsylvania County and back. Talk a little bit about that race, what you're looking forward to this year. Well, this is going to be year number six. We're really excited. This is our third year on Main Street. It used to be on the back roads near our foundation. And um, we're expecting to have uh, you know over 500 runners this year. So hitting that 500 magic number has been really important. And this is the first year that we've also been a part of the uh, Lynchburg Roadrunners uh, series for the fall. And that's been a really, really big boom for our foundation this year. It, it's, it's awesome. You do it at dusk. So, so for listeners, it is December the 9th. It's uh, it starts at five o'clock. It's on Main Street in Alta Vista. Obviously, get there early, get your packet and all of that. I ran it last year, and I gotta say, just as the, as the as it starts to get dark, just seeing all those Christmas lights, Main Streets lit up. It's just such a festive race, and the runners have a lot of fun. There was a lot of people dressing up in this event. Yeah, absolutely. We try to we try to market it as it's definitely a competitive race for people like yourself, Carl. That you know are competitive runners. <laughs> oh no, no, no! Also. I'm a middle of the packer slow guy. No, don't don't call me competitive. I'm competitive, uh, but not. You are definitely competitive. Okay, fair enough. I'm competitive, <laughs> but, but I'm not going to uh, be winning also, any places. Yeah. Let's put it that way. <laughs> but it also it also is we try to appease the people who just want to come yeah. and walk and yeah. just enjoy the festivities. So we have a lot of different clubs that come and walk in it. Sure. We have different clubs that come and run in it. So it really is a great event. It's a great community event, and it's continuing to grow. Um, and out of us is just such a wonderful place to live and yep. you know we're really excited that we get to feature that town as part of this race right so if, if people want to participate in the race or just learn more about claire parker foundation uh, what's the best place for them to go jordan sure yeah they, they can check out our website at claireparkerfoundation.org they can connect with us on facebook um just 
type in Claire Parker Foundation, you'll find us, all our information about Deck the Heels and all the projects we do there. And then, you know, on the website, they always have the opportunity to be contact either uh, Carly Hagwood or uh, Jennifer Campbell, who both work for the foundation, will help connect them to different areas to help out. In the few remaining seconds we have left, talk just briefly about the re- renovation homes that you've done in the past and what you've got going on right now, maybe even some volunteer opportunities there. Sure. We're in the middle of Claire House number four. This is our fourth house in three years, and each house that we've done so far has been basically about a 900 to 1,000 square foot cottage, and we decided to take on this um, 100-year-old uh masterpiece that is about uh, 2,600 square feet. So it's been quite the uh, undertaking, but we're hoping to have it on the market in early, early uh, February. Yeah. And uh, we're, we're in that, we're in that time frame where, yeah, we, any type of volunteers would be great. Any type of sponsors would be great. We're, you know, we're kind of doing the finishing touches and, and every little bit helps because the, the cost really starts to, to jump on you at the end with the little things you don't think add up. Well, I stopped. I stopped by that house when I was in Alta Vista for the uh, for the Halloween event on on Friday, and what a fun, what a fun on Tuesday. I'm sorry, and what a cool house. That's a big house there on Eighth Street, and I wish you the best as you wrap that up. Uh, Jordan, thank you so much for joining us today. We're looking forward to continue to support the Claire Parker Foundation, and we're looking forward to seeing you out at the uh, at the race on uh, January. I'm sorry, December, December 9th, five o'clock. All right, PM. thank you so much, Carl. Thank you, Jordan. And now, the bizarre real estate fact of the week. Farmers took pride in being able to plow a straight furrow. With a plowshare around 10 inches wide, your average farmer could plow a furlong's length 80 times in a day, covering a width of around 66 feet, which came out to 43,560 square feet, which is where we got the term acre from. And a typical Lynchburg lot today of a 100 by 200 is 0.46 of an acre, so an acre was originally a farmer's turn. There's your bizarre fact of the week. Hey, if you have real estate questions you want answered, send your questions to our social media platforms. CarlMillerRealty.com is our website. Thank you to Michael Newhall with Goosehead Insurance. Goosehead Insurance, one-stop shop for home auto insurance need. GooseheadInLynchburg.com. We'll see you next week.